0: Okay, guys, everyone listening, I think this is going to be uh, a very nice episode uh, In me in, uh, with me in the room right now. I have Priscilla Inchisa. Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to say the full name <laughs> because my Italian is this bad. But uh, first of all, Priscilla, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Um, I guess everyone listening now just by the title of the episode that mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, pressed play on now, you know that we're here to talk about uh, the Sassikaya. And uh, Sassikaya is, I would say, it's it must be more than a, a job to you. Okay. Yes. Right? Yes. Because this this is your family heritage. Yes. And today in Sasikaya you are, I don't know what you necessarily call it in that type of family business. Would you say that you are now
1: mm-hmm. the,
0: are you the the chairman no, or? No, no,
1: no, 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 but We have to make a step back. Yeah. So Sasicai is one of the three wines yes. produced in the estate, which is called Tenuta Sanguido. Exactly. Tenuta Sanguido is a family estate, which is in our family since many generations. And um, so we are a traditional agricultural estate where we also produce other things uh, apart from wine. So we make uh, traditional agriculture, we produce olive oil, We have horses, we have a nature um, reserve and so on and so forth. And uh, the wine is one of the activities of the family. Um, My generation is made of uh, five cousins. I am uh, the youngest of five and my role is the one of uh, uh, taking care of external relations for the family company. So I travel around the world. And I speak about our family, our philosophy, and I speak about the wines and I tell the story so that people can have a glimpse of what is all about Tenuta San Guido.
0: Fantastic. Mm. So, and, and, and this this history, it goes back quite a long time, doesn't it?
1: Yes, well, the history of the estate goes back many generations mm-hmm. as it comes through our grandmother's family. Uh, but the wine was started by our grandfather Mario Incisa who came from Piemonte and he married into a Tuscan family and he moved to Bulgaria with his wife um, in the 1930s so the estate was of his wife and he started uh, experimenting with uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc in Bulgaria at Tenuta Sanguido in the 1940s so during the second world war And uh, his intention was to create a wine uh, that would appeal uh, firstly his own taste. So he was very much in love with the wines from Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to make a wine based on these international grape varieties, and then also wine to be shared with family and friends. So the first 20 years of Sasikaya was really a project uh, to remain private it was not supposed to be a wine to be put on the co- on commerce on the market why is
0: that exactly was that the intention from day one or was it to kind of learn how to make yes the wine? i guess
1: he wanted to first try out things so he made experiments for about 20 years but also wine was really his passion and uh, the estate was about other things as well so he was very much concentrated also on the horses and on the agriculture so wine was more like something uh, that passionate him but was not uh, something that he would see uh, um, like an instrument to make money out of it.
0: Huh. But the 20 years is is still a, a very long time. So in those 20 years when it's because then it was it was just as yes, a private wine it was not yes. sold.
1: Yeah it was consumed uh, within family and friends. And they realized that uh, this wine by being aged for some time, uh, he used also traditional French barriques for the first experiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wine was getting actually better, was improving with age. So at the end um, of a certain period of trials, uh, his family and his friends also urged him to take Sasikaya to another level. And that's where my father came into the picture because uh, he in his generation is the youngest of three and his older brother and sister were more involved with the horses that were a very important business at the time whereas he was uh, looking more after the agriculture together with his father as well and uh and so he had this um ambition, this idea to bring Sassicaia to another level and try to make a different wine, which would be then uh, sold on the market. And that's when they called in the enologist who was working for the Antinori family, who are also our cousins, so very close to us. And uh, this enologist called Giacomo Takis started working uh, as a consultant for Tenuta Sanguido, to produce Sasikaya uh, with the vintage 1968 and he stayed with us until he retired in 2009 That's a long time. That's a long time, yes.
0: So so even the even the business partners have also been kind of family. So it's, yes. it's very much a family.
1: Yes, and also you can find this also in the relation we have with our importers around the world. We usually have very long relationships and some of them are really uh, together with us since the very beginning, so we are working with some importers since forty years or even longer
0: but but looking back then to to the time when when the wine was uh, only for private consumption mm-hmm. and then you took it uh, took it public if you want mm-hmm. how how big of the of the family business was wine then how much was horse? Uh, no no, and no
1: it was wine was very small it was very small. Mostly, yes, tradi- the normal agricultural part of the estate and the horses were quite important um, for, be- the horses were started in the 1930s and uh, they stayed quite important until the 1980s, I would say. And then the two things uh, crossed each other. So the wine became more important and the horses are still there, but now the wine has become the main activity.
0: Yeah, because I, I see sometimes uh, uh, if, if I've seen someone See a uh, Sasekaya wine for the first time. Mm-hmm. They say that uh, I I have I've had that before. Yes, but it's been in olive oil.
1: Ah yes yes. <laughs>
0: because it's it's it, it's kind of the same bottle. The bottle, bottle
1: right? is the same. It's uh, the olive oil bottle is the same as a 750 ml of a, um, of a wine bottle. Yeah, and. Um, and it's uh, also a similar label it has the star of the wine on top so sometimes uh, people mistake it for wine bottle
0: but but probably not it it would be just enough difference to not yes. be able to fake it and, yes, and bring the yes. wrong bottle
1: you it doesn't say sasikaya on the label for example <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, going from 1968 mm-hmm. up until now yes so it's been a, pr- a fairly long time, right? Yes. I, and yes. and uh, if I if I read correctly, I was not there. But I heard that in 1968 and, and even in the early years of the public uh, Sasakaya, it was a, a pretty big success right away, mm. right?
1: Yeah. Well, I wasn't there either. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old. When you maybe heard the story. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it was... Uh... Quite a success at the beginning when uh, we entered a competition organized by the Cantor in London in 1978 with uh, 1972 Sasikaya, which mm-hmm. was... Uh, um tasted blind against uh, 30, 33 other cabernet sauvignons from around the world and it came out the 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 one that was most preferred by the critics yeah. so this was the first uh, moment of visibility also abroad and then uh we were very fortunate to receive um the 100 points for the 1985 by Robert Parker, so also this helped a lot to establish the, the brand also outside our country.
0: And, and wine-wise, uh, it's not very easy to get a hold of the really old Sassikajas now. Uh, I see that in, in Oslo, there are certain places that have heavy wines with actually with some age, which is pretty fun to try. Mm-hmm. But since 68 uh, and up until now, what has kind of the, been the big changes in in the wine? It, has there been any big changes in the in the winemaking or in the vineyard? Or what's no, been I would on? say
1: that uh, there haven't been uh, major changes. We are still following nowadays the the teachings and the the experience of uh, Giacomo Takis, and then what my grandfather was uh, doing with him at the very beginning, and then what my father has set up with him for the following years.
0: So was it, because uh, now it's uh, it's 85% uh, Cabernet Sauvignon yes. and it's 15% Cabernet Franc. Yes. Has this, that also been the, the same forever? Yeah,
1: it has been uh, pretty much the same percentage. Maybe there was uh, uh, some earlier years where it was 80-20, but it's not very different than the beginning. It's very much the same percentages across all the older years.
0: But is that also part of then the vision moving forward to kind of uh, keep it the same?
1: Well, uh, we have since 1994 a set of rules because we have a Bulgari Sassicaia DOC Mm -hmm. appellation.
0: Well, that started in 94.
1: In 94, yes. So since 94, anyway, the minimum uh, is 80% Cabernet Sauvignon. So we stayed on that uh, proportion.
0: But was that something that that you was part in deciding or was that some...
1: Well, it was uh, decided by the Italian authorities, the government to make it for the whole Bulgari area. So, yeah. Bulgari DOC for red. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, they made the subzone of Bulgari sasicaya And then in 2013, the subzone became its own appellation, Bulgari Sassicaia DOC.
0: So, But that has to follow the... The The rules, yeah, basically
1: the rules were written around the practices that we were doing and we're still doing.
0: So your practices kind of became the rule kind of.
1: Yes, because that's the way we have been making the wine since uh, pretty much the beginning.
0: And and uh, technology-wise, have you incorporated much of, of, of the modern styles of winemaking in, in the no, wine? It's
1: not very. it's, uh, yes, of course, keeping up with time, but, uh, still using, uh, stainless steel tanks like, uh, Takis had introduced, whereas our grandfather was using, uh, wooden, um, both big, uh, uh, um, so very big ones, yes, right? the very big ones, the very big ones for vinification. So. I, it's not a very, if you come to see a winery, it's very practical, it's very much a working space, but it's not like one of these uh, super modern wineries um, that you may see somewhere else. So
0: kind of classic, but with modern necessities. Yeah, exactly,
1: classic with a modern necessity.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, the the, the area that you're in though, Mm -hmm. um, it's, I understand that, in, in there you have kind of two different zones of, of Sassicaia where you make wines, is that right? There's one that is closer down to the the foot of the hill yes. and other part of the-
1: Well, in uh, Tenuta Sanguido, uh, it's a bit of a peculiar situation because the estate is stretching from the seashore back onto the hills for about 13 kilometers. So we have different- It's pretty big. Uh, it's pretty big, yeah. yes. It's a 2,500 hectares surface. So it's It's very big. It's very big. And uh, the the vineyards are not all together in the same spot, but they are scattered around uh, starting from about 80 to 100 meters above sea level. And the highest uh, vineyard is just below 400 meters. So you have uh, different um, plots in different uh, parts of the estate.
0: So, But you have the the Lodifese. Yes. Uh, You must... Uh, excuse my Italian, because yeah, we're, yeah. we're used to saying this in Norwegian, and it's very—it could be oh, very it's wrong. Le difese, Le difese. Mm-hmm. and then you have the Guidalberto. Yes. Um, and then you have the Sasekaya. Yes. And so, so we're in this area from the from the sea up to the mountains. So generally,
1: yellow. the the Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, which is used for uh, Guidalberto and Le difese, is coming uh, from the younger vines of the Sassicaia DOC, regardless of where they are located. But also uh, on the lower part, we have planted some Merlot specifically for the Guidalberto. And instead the Sangiovese, that is part of the blend of Ledifese, we source it from um, central Tuscany, from the Chianti area.
0: Mm-hmm. So so it's it's actually quite, it's not, just about location it's also about uh, the grapes and even the area yes right absolutely så förlåt mig bara tack Temptech uh, igen, tack för att du gör denna um, podcasten här möjlig vi står på jakt efter ett uh, vinskap och det borde man nästan alltid vara uh, så checka ut Temptechs sin prestige serie en av toppserierna till uh, Temptech bygg uh, byggde in laddis byggdin kökna laddis fritt för sig själv stora små olika zoner tre LED ledbelysning juster temperatur lys uh, på egna paneler um, luftfuktighet, labelview, vi står just för se flaskarna före du öppnar sköltskapet. Uh, Checka ut uh, precis till TempTech och tusen tack igen. Ja, hos Power, Celliskunders Power uh, och tack igen TempTech för att du gör podcasten här uh, möjlig. Your 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 family, because I I was reading a bit in mm-hmm. in in the book of Sasakiya, okay. uh, which was almost like uh, reading some sort of history book.
1: Okay, uh, because
0: the I, I, I I learned that the earliest uh, the earliest um, descriptions or written documents mm-hmm. of of your of your family was a thousand years ago. Yeah, and that was also about wine.
1: Okay. Yes. It
0: was it was some sort of document saying who bought or sold a vineyard.
1: Yeah, but this I guess you read about the Piemontese part of the family could in Chisella, be right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah and then we had the great uncle who wrote an encyclopedia of uh, all the kind of different grape varieties um, so yes we had already already in Piemonte uh, some experiences with the wine but really the the real uh, adventure with the wine in the family started when our grandfather moved to bulgaria and, and planted this uh, cabernet sauvignon up on the hills and it was something totally new yeah because in bulgaria there were no uh, wine producers of any kind at the time yeah and it was also during the war so not so easy
0: but was was he primarily to be inspired by the bordeaux style was it that only drinking Bordeaux or was there anyone in the area making that style? at No, all? no,
1: it was, he was particularly liking the style of Bordeaux and yeah. the wine from Bordeaux. So he thought Bulgaria is by the sea. And we, uh, we have a special soil, which has a lot of stones and pebbles. So maybe it resembles the grave, for example. So could be that, uh, here the Cabernet Sauvignon will thrive. So he tried, you know, just. Just tried. And 20 years later. And 20 years later, he made something again different. And um, so the production was augmented a little bit slowly. And then he designed the label like we see it nowadays with the star. And then that's it. And 50 years later, we are here talking about it. (laughs) Talking about it
0: in Norway. So um, I I was... uh, visiting you because you are here have you been i have to ask first have you been in norway before
1: i have yes yes Yes, um
0: so you were having a a tasting earlier today uh with a a few selected people and i i ran by yes and i I had to just taste the wines and i heard they were open and we were going to talk today uh so we had the Le fese Kijabeto, sassikaya 19 15 and 12. yeah so one of the things that um I think uh, when people think of uh, Sassikaya, they typically think that they're very ageable. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um and what I always love to ask the people who who know the wine best mm-hmm. is when to drink it. Okay, okay. Right? Because to me drinking them today and having tried some um before as well they seem to be fairly Approachable. approachable, right? Which is typically, you know, some wines, they are not that approachable if they're very ageable. Yes. So what's going on?
1: It's a, it's a, a, a double aspect of this wine. It's relatively approachable young because the tannins are very smooth and well integrated and the wood is not predominant. So very nice to drink young. But of course, if you can wait, the wine gets better with age, so the longer people are able to to wait and let it age, uh, at least five, six, eight years before opening it, or yeah. even ten years. And in the meantime, we say people can drink uh, either the or with Alberto, you know.
0: Yeah. Because they are much more approachable and they're made in that style to be that as well. Yes,
1: although after 20 years of Guidalberto, we can also now say that Guidalberto also has a very nice aging potential apart from being a nicely approachable wine young. So you can get both things and uh, some people just cannot wait so they have to buy the wines and just enjoy them immediately and it's also a possibility. A lot of
0: people do that. Yeah. Waiting is very difficult. Yeah. Um so so but that is not going to I mean thinking also a bit to the future again. Um that is the style you want to keep but but are you are you forced to change anything moving forward, you know, because a lot of wineries around the world are are, are having to deal with some sort of uh, climate change mm-hmm. or there is something te- new to te- technology that they feel like they have to do. Is there is there anything in the winemaking that is going to change in the future, do
1: you mm, think? We're we are not, uh, I mean, not in the immediate future because we are quite fortunate. Uh, Bulgaria is, uh, as I said, right by the sea. Yeah. So we have a very nice uh, moderate climate where the sea influence helps in the summer to keep the... Temperatures cooler, especially during the night, and in the winter it doesn't ever uh, have so much cold or freeze or frost, so it's very rare. So it's a very nice, um, uh, it's a very nice climate which is never very drastic. So it's also easier in uh, more challenging vintages that can be maybe drier or warmer. In Bulgaria, we still manage to come across quite okay.
0: Yeah. And uh, the the youngest wine that uh, we tasted today was the was the 19, mm-hmm. and that is the wine that I wasn't quite sure how how they said it there uh, at Palmer at the tasting, if that wine was available or is not going to be available or maybe a little bit available.
1: In Norway. In Norway, yeah. No, no, no. I think the wine is going to be released uh, as far as I understood in December. Yeah. But it's yes. not
0: that much quantity, so it's kind of maybe not the easiest to get uh, uh, your hands on. Yes, what what yes. can we say about the 19 for those listening who might want to? to well, the 19,
1: buy the 19 was one of these uh, vintages that uh, you wish could happen every year the same way because, in every moment of the growing season, everything went very well and there were perfect conditions. Uh, especially during the harvesting time, we had a nice temperature difference between night and day. So this allowed the Cabernet Sauvignon, which uh, likes to be on the plants for a bit longer, allowed allowed it to mature completely and regularly. Mm-hmm. So it's a very promising vintage that, uh, uh, I don't know if you thought the same is quite approachable. When I think you...
0: it was, but it, I was surprised uh, that it was also, you know, pretty high in acidity. Yes, right?
1: so this will, uh, Probably I mean the high acidity and the fact that it has a good underlying structure also will allow the wine to age well in time.
0: Yeah. So it's not overripe at all is what I meant. That it yes. it, it felt very I don't it felt very um yes. Balanced. Very balanced yes. and, and um yeah, very balanced. But with with that intensity comes yes. the demand to age it uh yeah. a little bit. But it was very intense. Yeah. Um so so how does the 19 compare to the previous vintages if if, if someone listening has tasted it last also, year or
1: The 18 was much cooler, much uh, fresher with more rain. So maybe it has um, it's le- it has less body. It's a very elegant wine though. So b- both styles are quite representative of uh, what Sassicaya should be. Yeah.
0: And I thought I must say also I thought the 15 of the 3 you're saying you have to to age it uh, at least for five years, maybe ten years. But I thought the 15 was out of the three, the one that that performed the best uh, mm-hmm. today, at least. Yeah. Um. But is that is that uh, because of that vintage, or is that just because aging it now for seven years is is good? How was the 15?
1: Well, 15 was uh, again a bit warmer compared to the the um, the previous 14. And also compared to the following sixteen, so it's a uh, wine that has a little bit more body, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now before we before we end today's chat, after having learned so much about mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, um there there is also another part in in winemaking that that uh, you uh, was it last year that you took uh, charge of, which is again my Italian. Primum Familia Vini, Vini yes. yeah. So, so that is a kind of what you call it a collection, cooperation, organization. Well,
1: Primum Familia Vini, which is also called in short the PFV, mm-hmm. it's uh, an association of uh, twelve producers from Europe. So, some are from France. Um, then we have somebody from Portugal, Germany. Two from Spain. Then there's two Italians. It's
0: uh, Antinori. Yes, Col Antinori. Roger. Yeah. Druha, Yes. uh, Chateau
1: Mouton, Mervega Sicilia. uh, A a good group. It's a good group uh, that also has become, I must say a good group of friends. Uh, It exists since 1992 and we have joined in 2004. And uh, every year uh, one of the wineries is the president for the year in rotation. So last year it was my turn. And this year is going to be Pablo Alvarez from Vega Sicilia.
0: So what happens in that year? What in the, when you get the responsibility for one year?
1: Well, uh, usually you have to, we, we organize throughout the year different activities together like events or things like this. And the president is supposed to be there present uh, and uh, you know represent the whole group. And uh, in my year we didn't do much because it was basically at the end of the pandemic. Yeah, And then in the end of the, of the 12 months, you get to organize in your estate together with your family. So it was myself and my cousins, we host and my father, we hosted the other 11 families who came for three days to Bulgaria at the end of June this year.
0: And, uh, and maybe open some wine.
1: And maybe open some wine as well. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Where do I apply? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: No, but so so has this been to to not only hang out but also kind of share some. Yes, of course we yeah.
1: share know how. We share also yeah. problems and you know being you have to be a family-owned business to be part of the PFV. So we are upholding the same values, uh, generation change and transition and, uh, a lot of attention to sustainability and things like that. So we, we not, we don't only present ourselves as a group in front of the public, but we also do things together, workshops, and, uh, often the younger generations, they do internships with one or the other. So it's also a lot of exchanging of ideas and things like that.
0: But is there anything in particular that you have learned from each other? You said, you mentioned sustainability. Mm -hmm. Has that always been a focus or is that something that has... Well, for us, it
1: has always been a focus because, uh, you know, we have uh, a, a lot of Nature in Tenuta Sanguido it's not uh, uh, vineyards is only 4% of the total surface of the estate and then we have a a very large nature reserve and uh, we try to keep a lot of biodiversity by having olive trees uh, within our vineyards and we have a huge forest uh, which is totally unspoiled so for us biodiversity sustainability and attention to uh, to the territory has been always one of our main priorities
0: so that maybe is something that that you have taught the others
1: no well they're all very uh, careful about these things yes
0: well regila it's been uh it's been a pleasure having you here Thank i know you very you're much. busy so i won't <laughs> steal too much of your time but you. um it, it's, it's very nice to see you. Great to taste your wines. And uh, they're coming out in December. Uh, yeah, the Sassicaya yes. Yeah.
1: The others too, I think they're already on the market.
0: Yeah. So for, for anyone listening, um, uh, if you haven't tried them, they're definitely worth uh, worth trying. Mm. And uh, they are they are approachable. You don't have to wait. Is that what you're saying? You don't have <laughs> to. It's, it's, it's allowed to try it even though it's young. Exactly. Well, again, thank you very much thank for, you. for coming.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: And for everyone else, um, as always, uh, we will see you next week with another episode. Maybe not uh, with such great company as today, but we will be here anyway. Thank you, everyone. Ukens vindtips med Svein er en Finansavisen podcast. Programleder är er Svein Lindin, producent er Lars Brendenskram og podcast- og videoansvarlig er Marius Mørk Larsen. Ansvarlig redaktør er Trygve Hegdar.